Hello again. How do you teach seven billion people to respect their relationship with the Earth? Soon, now. Chief Orrin Lyons of the Iroquois Six Nations posed that question last year here at Bioneers. Why? Because we're facing a crisis, he said. He went on to tell this story in the context of the 2012 end of the Mayan calendar, which was a big thing last year. <laughs> so five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> he went on, um, he said, we have good relations with the Maya. We've known them for a long time. So I asked one of the leaders, well, what's happening in 2012? And he said, calendar's coming to an end. I asked, then what? He said, well, we'll make another one. <laughs> However, he added, there'll be a period of enlightenment. Orin continued his story. I'd been talking to some friends in Long Island, and I thought about that. Here's this businessman who works in New York, and it's a beautiful day. He decides he's going to take his boat and go out and do some fishing instead of go to work. He's out in Montauk, tip of Long Island, sitting out there fishing. Bright sun, hot day, so he jumps off the boat and swims around. Pretty big boat, you need a ladder to get back up. The ladder's there and he's floating around in the water. Beautiful. He drifts a little ways from the boat, but not far. He turns around and he sees a gray fin coming directly toward him about three feet out of the water. Oh, crap, he says. I should have went to work. <laughs> That's a period of enlightenment, Orrin concluded. <laughs> We're experiencing a period of enlightenment. <laughs> this year, the planet blasted through an unprecedented threshold, 400 parts per million of CO2 in the atmosphere, it's the big gulp of carbon emissions. This supersized CO2 concentration has not existed on Earth for at least three million years. Earth was a hothouse. Horses and camels roamed Canada and the Arctic. The sea level was 50 to 80 feet higher. As Homo sapiens, we did not exist. Our roughly 10,000 years of human civilization have evolved in the hospitable bubble of climatic stability called the Holocene era. We've burst that bubble and caused a new geologic epoch. We've named it the Anthropocene era after ourselves. Not really a milestone you'd want to put your name on. <laughs> Climate change has crash-landed from the future into the present. Abnormal is the new normal. Weather extremes resemble a bipolar disorder, and they show up with the accelerating frequency and intensity of a collection agency. <laughs> 20 2012 was the hottest year ever recorded in the U.S., 34,008 record highs. The mayhem was worldwide, and 2012 placed second on the Global Climate Extremes Index. Record-shattering fires, droughts, floods, and all manner of seriously weird weather. Last year in the U.S., the government spent more money repairing the damage from extreme weather events than it did on education. Some like it hot, but not the insurance industry. Their business models built on historical data that permit reasonably reliable pr predictions of, um, of future risks. But past is no longer prologue. As far as the climate goes, we've reached the end of history. Expect insurance rates to keep rising with emissions. For the military and CIA, climate chaos is the threat multiplier from hell. 
it can trigger just about all the other stressors that lead to that dread 3 a.m. phone call in the White House. Witness the Middle East, where besides oil, most of the upheavals are directly related to dwindling water, high food prices, and resulting mass dislocations. The big gulp may finally be causing us to take a gulp. As Paul Gilding observes in The Great Disruption, our normal human response is to be late and fast. Although we can be a little slow on the uptake, we're not stupid. Once we become enlightened, we can mobilize at lightning speed and scale. That object may be closer than it appears. As physical reality trumps denial and delay, big changes are gestating everywhere, breakdown and breakthrough. Paradigms are dying and being born before our eyes. You can feel the baby kicking. It's a revolution from the heart of nature and the human heart. We could talk about the rapid adoption of biomimicry and how green building and living architecture are already going mainstream. We could talk about how we can scale renewable energy far faster than fossil fuels or nuclear power, or how ecological farming practices and permaculture are proving we can feed the world and take care of the land. We could talk about how big cities are future-proofing themselves by thinking resilience, adaptation, and reinvention, or about the mycelial spread of the new economy movement that's showing we can democratize ownership and access to capital and build community wealth. We could talk about how localization movements are sweeping the world and how global popular movements and faith communities are driving change virtually everywhere, challenging corporate domination and championing the rights for nature. We could talk about how women are redefining lead what leadership looks like when it's be on behalf of the common good and future generations. We could talk about the expanding numbers of white allies growing the circle of beloved community by standing with indigenous peoples and people of color and straight allies standing with LGBT people. We could talk about these and many more, and we will. Over the coming days, we'll hear from a bouquet of our great visionary innovators and leaders direct from the front lines of system change. As pioneers, we know the solutions are largely present or we know what directions to head in. We also know all the technical fixes in the world won't solve this crisis because above all, it's a crisis of vision, values, and relationship. The word crisis comes from the Greek word krino, which means to decide. We need to decide what kind of future we want and act on it. As author Richard Tarnas says, worldviews create worlds. The big wheels of civilization's story are turning. It's the gateway to our surviving and thriving. Today's Western worldview originated centuries ago in the first age of enlightenment. It marked the birth of the modern mind as we know it. In so many ways, the enlightenment was a giant leap of liberation. Emerging out of bloody centuries of religious wars, it was triggered by the, Co the Copernican Revolution that challenged the belief that Earth was the divinely ordained center, fixed center of the universe. When Galileo later looked through his newly invented telescope, he confirmed that Earth and the planets revolve around the sun. The Inquisition condemned him as a heretic. Some opponents were so invested in the old paradigm that they declined to look through the telescope. But the world had already looked. A new way of seeing rocked civilization. The Enlightenment unleashed freedom of discovery and individual freedom. It liberated society from religious and church orthodoxy, tradition, and superstition. 
It exalted reason, the human intellect, and empirical knowledge. It gave birth to the scientific revolution and to ever more powerful technologies and knowledge. It spawned political revolutions that marked the beginning of the end of the legitimacy of monarchy, the divine right of kings, and the marriage of church and state. It broke the wealth monopoly of feudal aristocracies and um, initiated more open markets and capitalism. It birthed participatory democracy and the American and French revolutions. It promoted tolerance and human rights, sexual and racial equality, and unprecedented individual liberty. It uncorked a fountain of creative freedom, art, and invention. Needless to say, these aspirations remain a work in progress, and the Enlightenment shadow side has left us at land's end today. We believed we're separate from nature, master and possessor of nature. We've held ourselves as the supreme and only conscious intelligence in an otherwise machine-like random universe. We've sought to know nature by reducing life to the mechanical parts of a machine. We've exalted reason and excluded other ways of knowing, imagination, intuition, emotions, the body. We've objectified and commodified life itself and propagated a worldview that makes everything property for our use, control, profit, and power. We've replaced the certainty of faith with the infallibility of science and harnessed science to the corruptions of power, treasure, and empire. We've claimed for ourselves inner dimensions of mind, spirit, soul, empathy, and meaning, yet we deny these to the larger community of life that gave us life. The Enlightenment emerged from a European civilization that was built on colonialism and imperialism, racism, genocide, and slavery. These were built on the objectification and dehumanization of the other in all its forms, nature, people of color, indigenous peoples, women, the poor, whoever the inconvenient other may be. Although we have access to unparalleled knowledge, we're destroying our only home. With more connectivity than ever dreamed possible, we're impoverished of relationship. We have more stuff than any society in history, yet we're deeply unhappy and spiritually estranged on a ravaged planet. With unprecedented material wealth, it's concentrated in the hands of the few who've captured political systems and ideologies. A handful of billionaire plutocrats who profit from fossil fuels hold the world economy hostage and dominate government policy. 50 of the world's biggest global corporations produce 73% of CO2 emissions. Some science now projects today's hottest days right now will be the coldest by mid-century. We find ourselves at the brink, choking on the big gulp, a new period of enlightenment. In the end, no one can explain why paradigms change. They just do. It's a zeitgeist, something in the air, ideas whose time has come. Stories change, and the world changes. Science tells a dramatically different story today. The oneness and interconnection of everything are irreducible, dynamic, plastic. The Gaia hypothesis, chaos and complexity theory, quantum mechanics reveal a world far stranger and more mysterious than likely we can ever imagine. Mystery abounds. The observer affects the observed. Reality is interpretive. Our human consciousness is largely unconscious. Knowledge is ambiguous, best approached from diverse viewpoints and ways of knowing. We're living in the global mashup, the end of prehistory. We have more pathways illuminated to us than ever before, 
from which we're making new maps of reality and of our humanness. As David Orr wrote, the greatest discovery of the past century, or more accurately, the rediscovery, was of an ancient premonition that we're part of a vast web of life, one large evolving system that has many of the characteristics of a living organism. We live, as Ralph Waldo Emerson once described, in the lap of great intelligence. We are kith and kin to all that ever was, um, all there is, and all that ever will be. For all our puffed-up self-importance, we're only upstart primates occupying one small booth on the outskirts of a vast, turbulent, ongoing bazaar of living, evolving sentience, located on a minuscule planet attached to a third-rate star somewhere in a backwater galaxy in a sea of billions of other galaxies <laughs> speeding towards an unknown destination. <laughs> Or as my father-in-law used to like to say, if we had humility, we'd have everything. <laughs> this cusp, this next enlightenment, brings us full circle back to the ancient indigenous wisdom we all once held. Kinship, interdependence, reverence. It's all alive, it's all connected, it's all intelligent, it's all relatives. It invites us to keep widening the circle of beloved community, the vision of Dr. Martin Luther King that our loyalties must transcend our race, our tribe, our class, our nation. Now the circle of beloved community expands to embrace nature in its wondrous diversity. Perhaps it was necessary for us to push our individuation to the limit, to separate ourselves from each other and from the very community of life before many roads could finally lead us home. As Richard Tarnas wrote in The Passion of the Western Mind, the evolution of the Western mind has been driven by a heroic impulse to forge an autonomous, rational human self by separating it from the primordial unity with nature. To do this, the masculine mind has repressed the feminine and all which the masculine has identified as the other. The crisis of modern man is essentially a masculine crisis. This is the great challenge of our time, the evolutionary imperative for the masculine to choose to enter into a fundamentally new relationship of mutuality with the feminine in all its forms. An epical shifting is taking place in the contemporary psyche, a sacred marriage between the long dominant but now alienated masculine and the long suppressed but now ascending feminine. Tarnas suggests the symptoms of the modern era resemble an initiatory crisis, the dark night of the soul, a deconstruction of the old identity, the crisis of meaning, the encounter with mortality on a planetary scale. In some sense, he suggests, the universe may have been constellating painstakingly and painfully a partner to reconnect with the soul of the universe in a new way, to forge a new relationship to it that builds upon everything we've learned in thousands of years. Today, the true enlightenment comes with turning the telescope inward. We're surrounded by elders, by the genius of creation. That ancient wisdom resides in us and all around us. The innate resonance that life has for life may ultimately be our greatest way of knowing, the light that tells us we're home. Janine Benyus sees it this way. The criterion of success is that you keep yourself alive and you keep your offspring alive. But it's not your offspring, it's your offspring's offspring's offspring 10,000 years from now. 
because you can't be there to take care of those offspring. The only thing you can do is take care of the place that takes care of your offspring. That's why the one non-negotiable policy we need to write into law is that life creates conditions conducive to life. As pioneers, we're creating conditions conducive to life, growing the imaginal cells of a wisdom culture. It's time to start a new calendar <laughs> and get to work, dreaming into being the world we want and the world the world wants. Thank you.